Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Seds and Sandals, a PE podcast by the Lancashire Post. This week we take a look back at the draw against Luton, talk about what it's like to be at a game with no fans, looking at what went wrong and what went right for North End, and looking ahead to this weekend's huge game against Cardiff City. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Seds and Sandals. My name is Tom Sandals, and with me, as always, is Dave Seddon. We're going to be talking about all things PE and a bit more as per usual. But first off, Dave, football is officially back. North End yeah. played the game. Probably not how we wanted it to go, but football is back, and that's the main thing. Yeah, it was it was strange, I've got to admit, uh, covering the game down at Luton. Um we, we've spoken about on the podcast last week and you know the ones we've done recently. This is a means to an end, you know. To, get football back and uh, it was strange Tom to say the least I know you you had you were had to watch it from home you know because of limits on how many Equally reports strange, I must say yeah but, you know but going to the ground you know the protocol is when you know normally when you go to the ground you arrive at a ground you go to the ticket office to give you your press passing your program and then you go in show your ticket and you know go and have a cup of tea something to eat and get covering but you know, the first thing we did when we got to Luton was um, turn up, um, had your temperature taken, you know, which uh, quite quite a lot of the people who travelled down from Preston, you know, from the, the club media and, and and whatnot, were quite close to the limit, you know. I don't think mm. sat, being, sat in a, being sat in a hot car for three yeah, and a half hours say. on the way down didn't do your health too good. So, uh, you know, we, I, think, I think we were all showing up with like, very ill or something. I don't know, but um, are we warmer you know, up but, north? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not used to this hot weather. It's, it's quite warm down in Luton. I've got to admit. And anyway, once you passed your temperature check, only then could you go and collect your press pass. They gave you a press pass, and instead of a match day program, you got a pair of disposable safety gloves if you wanted to wear those, which was utterly, utterly bizarre. Now. You had to wear a face mask anyway, so you turned up wearing a face mask. So you had a face mask, a pair of I mean, rubber gloves. You know, you'd had the temperature taken and then it was all very strict in the ground about where you could sit. Your seat was marked. Um, a lot of the seats next to you and in the row in front and the row in behind were all like taped off. You couldn't sit there. So it, it, it was all very, very strange. And the biggest, the biggest, you know, difference was having no spectators in the stadium. You know, it, it's not as if, you know, when we've had... Um, sort of behind closed doors in Europe when teams would be punished for crowd trouble or something mm. and lo and behold 3,000 fans managed to get <laughs> in you know invited in you know free tickets given away it was nothing like that you know it was a bare minimum it was directors it was stewards and it was you know the only people there are the people needed to make a game work you know medical staff doctors whatever you know you had, you had people spraying the goalposts at half time you know, the physios, you know, club doctors were wearing like clinical aprons and masks and everything. And it was like, it was like a field hospital from the war. It was like absolutely really, really strange. And, uh, but, you know, they, they played pipe music at, uh, yeah. at Luton. And sometimes it came across, well, we've seen, you, we've all watched the match on telly, haven't we, since it started. And I think the crowd music works quite well. But when you're in, you know, crowd music, crowd noise, but when yeah. you're in a stadium, and it's probably Luton's loudspeaker system wasn't the greatest. But most of the time, it sounded like a plane taking off. It was like you were stood at the end of a runway and it was like, 
Scott Sinclair got the ball or something and went on the attack. It sounded like this jet engine was like uh, starting up. It was, Scott you know, ben, taking off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then suddenly it sort of it got a bit more noticeable. Oh yeah, you could hear a bit of singing, you know, and uh, things like that. But uh, no, very very strange. But as you said just before, football, you know, we've started it again, which is the main thing. Uh, one game down, uh, another eight to go with the regular season, and hopefully more in the playoffs. But it's you know, football took its time getting back. I think it did well, you know, to be. It was very patient. It could have probably come back a couple of weeks earlier, but you know, they they, they properly took the time on it, followed the advice, and now it's back. And you've got to say, first week of the championship has gone well. The Premier League games we've seen so far. You know, have run have run well. You know, whether they are great entertainment spectacle, you know, spectacles at the moment, I don't know. But the back playing, the back in a routine, you know, and uh, over the next month or so, we're going to see the season play out. Yeah, it was a bit weird, but like I said before, it was weird for me as well because obviously I'm normally at the games with you, and the way it works mm-hmm. at the moment is that organisations can generally only send one person. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was at home following it all on on iFollow, trying to keep everything updated, Twitter, Facebook, and and the blog, and all those sorts of things. And it's just so strange not being there, having to having mm-hmm. to watch it. And obviously there was a bit of trouble with iFollow, where um, uh, I think it was more a fault of iFollow and the EFL rather than rather than the club. But it's so strange just being kind of uh, away from the action, not being a part of it all. And then obviously at the end, there's the the Zoom calls with the the managers and, and the play, which is just, it's so bizarre because a big part mm. of, of obviously reporting on games and, and being a journalist is that kind of personal aspect of it. And to not even be able to kind of be there and just have that conversation with the player or the manager is, it's just so strange, isn't it? It is. You know, you, you think about you. You're on a Zoom call with a manager at the end of the player, and you're probably no more than 25, 50 yards away from him at some somewhere in the stadium. Yet, you, obviously, you can't go face to face, or um, you know, be you know, be close to him. You know, you've got to do it that way. It, it, yeah, it's, it's sort of virtual football almost, isn't it? And you know, I, I felt in a really privileged position that I was able to go to the game. You know, I, I, I'll make you know, I won't hide away from that. You know. It, it's my, you know, we, we, I've got a good job covering football. I enjoy it, you know, and even in these circumstances, I felt, you know, I felt fortunate and privileged to be there. But it, that doesn't take away the feeling of strangeness that, you know, I've, I've sat in press boxes now since the early 90s and this was the most bizarre match I've covered. You know, I've covered exciting games, I've covered rubbish games, I've covered eventful games, you know, games where strange things have happened. But the, just from start to finish of this, it was just, well, it's just totally different to what we, you know, we've ever known before, you know. And mm. I just hope, I hope this year is a pretty short one and, you know, we can get back to, you know, a little bit, you know, closer to how we knew it, um, you know, in the autumn. Yeah. And just uh, for the record, I think North End have uh, been seeking some assurances from IFO. I think I saw a story today. So for uh, any fans, I know it's on, it'll be on Sky this weekend, but moving forward, hopefully the uh, the IFO will be a bit better. But we'll get on to the game itself. You say you've, you've covered some stinkers and to be fair, it wasn't exactly a classic, was it? <laughs> No, it was it was a bit of a slow burner. I thought it started okay. You know, first few minutes, I think Luton had Luton had a header looped over the bar. North End had quite a sort of good passage of play. Early on, Maguire worked himself into a bit of space and hit a shot. I think he clipped one of their defenders or brushed the goalkeeper's gloves on the way past. That was quite close. Um, North End, you know, plenty a lot more of the ball than Luton. Uh, you could see both sides were rusty in terms of touch and, and whatnot. You know, Paul Gallagher took a corner at one point, which I don't think it reached the side of the box. It we just totally scuffed it, you know. So I don't, don't know if your eye follower kicked in by then, but it was like, mm. oh my God, you know, what's happening here? <laughs> but you, you, you got a sense that probably North End were growing into it better than Luton were. And, you know, second half picked up and for North End to score early doors second half, mm. uh, you know, Good goal, good you know, good pass through to Scott Sinclair, and you thought, right, they've scored now. You know, happy days, one nil up. You know, probably get a second, two nil away win, something like that. Fantastic. Um, you're always, you know, one nil. One nil should have been enough, really. Luton mm. weren't 
you know, barely laying the glove on the north end. You know, they have the ball at times, but I, can't, I, don't, I can hardly remember Declan Rudd having anything to do. Um, but you, but you are always vulnerable with a one goal, you know, a one goal error, you know, margin. And you know, 87, 88 minutes, Kellen McManaman put a good shot away. It was a great mm. finish. Looking back on it, the build-up wasn't great. I think North End intercepted, you know, broke down a Luton move, but then the ball broke back to Luton. Luton went down there right or left a little bit too easily, I thought. You know, routine square ball in for Matt Manaman. I think it was Patrick Bauer, you know, that stood off slightly, didn't he? Give give Matt Manaman time to sort of control, you know, have a you know pace forward and then stick it in. It was a very good finish, sticking, you know, across rod into the top corner. Uh but you know, you, you however good a goal, however good a finish it is, you know, Alex Neal will look back on it, trace it back to, you know, where the move started. Um, and Neil pointed out after the game that North End's back four were intact when, you know, Matt Manaman got the ball. It's not as if it was slipped in behind anyone. You know, it was Matt Manaman had four defenders in front of him, the goalkeeper, you know, and probably a little bit too easy. However good the finish was, and it was a quality strike, don't take anything away from that. But, you know, he didn't have to go past anyone, he didn't have to quick feet or, you know, quick feet or anything. It was, you know, pull the trigger, had room to do that. So, no, mm. disappointing. And it did, it almost had a feel of a defeat after the game, you know, yeah, because of definitely. that. When we could have had the same scoreline, one all, with North End equalising, and we would have been doing cartwheels. Absolutely brilliant stuff. But when you score first and you can see, you know, mm. late on like that, it really hits you. Very, a lot, a lot of disappointment and frustration there. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is that was Luton's first shot on target. It took them to the 88th minute. North End didn't look under threat. And uh, I don't know how much people look into this stat, but expected goals on the day. Uh, Luton's was 0.23, I think it was, which was actually the lowest in the division on the day. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't take it as gospel, the expected goals thing. I look, if I do, it's probably over mm-hmm. a longer period than one game because anything can happen. And we saw McManaman pulls one out and you know puts it in the top corner you, you, it's the way football is and that's kind of the mm-hmm. that's kind of the the difficulty with a one nil lead really isn't it that it yeah. only takes a moment and it, and it's gone and and like you say mm-hmm. it really did feel like a loss that Alan Brown was very very honest and and pro- potentially maybe harsh but you know very very truthful about the way that he felt about the game saying that they should won. They should. They should have been beat. Should be beating teams like Luton, who obviously are, are bottom of the league, and how it felt mm. like a loss. And there was there was that kind of air of negativity around North yeah. End or the, or the squad after the game. And like I say, it just really felt like a loss to them, given how, where their their ambitions lie. Really. Yeah. Normally, you know, you're one nil away wins. You're perfect away win, isn't it? You know, like if you offered a manager what you want, one nil sums you up away from home. You've scored. You've been solid. Um, I don't like this sort of, you know, we're, we're slipping into this, aren't we? Teams like Luton, you know, let's get it right. Yes, they are struggling at the bottom of the division. You know, I remember, I did they win at Blackburn earlier this season? And I think Tony Mowbray came out with a quote, didn't they? Oh, we should be beating teams like Luton. You know, I don't like that phrase, you know, like people are using it about Preston, teams like Preston. Yeah, we should be beating teams who are in the lower reaches of the division, you know, like... Um, but you know, I don't. I don't think sort of. Don't. I want, I want, you know, I didn't think losing were the best side in the world, but I won't take anything away from them. You know, they, they kept battling until the end. You got to earn your right. It doesn't matter who you're playing, whether you're playing Brentford, whether you're playing Luton, whether you're playing Sheffield Wednesday or Birmingham. You got to earn that right to victory. North End earned a, came close to earning that right, but mm. you know, not quite. You know. You know, do you look back on golden missed chances? He didn't actually create a great deal after after the goal. When you think about the chances that came after the goal, Gallagher had a free kick, which the keeper did well. Dive to his left to push away, but that was a set piece. When yep. there was probably the best chance was when um, the you know the ball was worked down the left. I think Hughes was involved, played it into DJ, pulled it back across the face of the box to Pearson who uh, mm. drove a first-time shot, which was very close. It went just over the bar. You know, that 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 was probably the best chance of the lot. But that was it. You know, it's not as if they ever looked like going to get three or four goals or anything, you know. Yeah. It was a, a set piece and, uh, you know, you know the best work probably moved of the, of the game, you know, when, you know, when they set Pearson up. So, yeah, just need to... Uh, I, 
that's what North End's downfall might be this season. We've yeah. said it all along. Is that little bit of cutting edge? Is you know, you, you look at the you look at the top six. You know, you got um, well, your teams in the playoffs. Fulham have got Mitrovic if need be. Brentford have got Ollie Watkins. You know, Forest have got players who can put the ball away. No, no, yeah, North End having a way, but they're not the, they're not the main strikers. You know, and uh, well, I'm going to have this debate with you in a minute, Tom. You know about Sinclair's best role. You know, he mm. he. He could be no offense key, you know. Like, do you do you look to play him down the middle a bit more, or do you have him cutting in? I know the goal came from him overlapping with Barkays and down the left and and cutting into the box and coming in on the angle. And his finishing's like, you know, a, a polished season striker, wasn't it? You know, mm. like looks up for the well. keeper, low left footed, you know, low right footed, open your body up across the keeper into the far corner, and uh, you know, I don't know. If, what you think, Tom? Maybe, maybe they could, in the absence of a sort of ten, fifteen goal a season striker. Do you do you utilise Sinclair down the middle a bit more, a bit like Barkhausen's been used at times? You know, to you know, got an eye for a goal. Um, mm. You know, is it, is it worth you know having someone else out wide and you know using Sinclair that way almost as a false nine? I don't know. Yeah, I'd be really open to Sinclair playing up front because we know we know he, he scored goals. He scored a load of goals in, in Scotland. And I think it'd be interesting to see potentially him down the middle. And then it all depends on fitness and things like that. Whether Billy Bowden could come in on that right-hand side and offer, offer a different option. He, you know, he's so capable of beating a man one-on-one and creating that, that half a yard. Whether we've got that that left footer on the right side that could cut in and and make things happen with Barkays and on the left where he does like to play Sinclair down the middle could potentially have Harrop in the number ten who doesn't really attack the space as much in the forward areas so he can maybe just distribute and let the front three um, kind of mingle up there and 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 come in between and swap sides, all that sort of stuff. And I think that's a different a different option that is definitely worth a look. I think Scott Sinclair, the idea behind him seems to be at the moment to liberate Sean Maguire to come into that number nine, which is technically his, his natural position. But without a goal for so long, mm-hmm. the way Billy Bowden, especially in glimpses of what we've seen of him, I'd like to see that happen. But I mean, Sinclair, when he played in, in that two up front with, Barkhazen at Barnsley looked really, really sharp, looked really good, and it's certainly worth thinking about. I mean, let's be fair, the, the goals from the number nine position just haven't come this season, so it can't be, with the greatest respect to them, it can't be any worse than than, than where we are at the moment. Yeah, that's it. You've, you, you've talked about Bowden there. He's obviously, match fitness is going to be an issue. He, you know, he, he hadn't played since January, had he, until... Um, until he came on sort of last minute, well, last three or four minutes of stoppage time at Luton. So he, he might get a little, you know, to throw him straight in. I'm, I'm you know, I don't know about, but no. maybe Barkay's on one side. You might even put, I, I put Harrop, maybe, you know, give him a chance on, on one of the wings, cutting in onto his right foot, do it that way. Um, you know, and it gives you the chance then to still have DJ as a 10. And then um, you know, back in midfield, you know, you got Pearson, you got Gallagher, you got you know, Brown option. You know, if he's not going to be playing it right back, if Fisher's back, so yeah, there's plenty of options. There's plenty of options. There's plenty of people who can play in those certain positions. It's just sort of finding that way, you know, finding getting them to gel to you know produce a few more goals because mm. it was actually you know like when we spoke about it the other week that you know those few games before the lockdown, you know, they'd lost four out of five, hadn't they? You know, and the three goals they'd scored, two had come from penalties, one, you know, one, just one from open play. So at least it was a goal from open play on Saturday. Um, so, but, you know, they, they, they could do, you know, if they can find a way of scoring sort of two or three per game, you know, one nil's, you know, one nil's enough, you know, but sometimes as we saw on Saturday, you need that. You need, you need that bigger cushion, you know, and uh, if they could carry, you know, carry a greater goal threat, um, you know, they need that. You know, the first, you, the number nine position, as you say, hasn't produced a lot of goals this season. Nugent's only got one, has he? And, um, Stockley you know, Stock, Stockley got a couple, yeah. Now, you know, a lot of people bang the drum for Stockley. Um, whether he's going to be a prolific striker, I don't know. You know, he's more your target man. Um better feeding on crosses, isn't he? You know, so, mm. you know, North End are going to have to work, you know, if they play Stockley, they're going to, you know, you, you need your wingers going past your defenders 
you know, rather than, you know, cutting inside and floating little balls and, you know, they need them going on the outside, whipping in a few crosses from the byline yeah. for him to come on, you know, so... Um, got to be able to attack it and send it yeah, towards the yeah. net, you know, yeah, rather than yeah. needing someone else to finish it off. Stockley's got to be able to finish off those crosses and they're, they're not yeah. really the crosses that North End put in. Yeah, and if you play Stockley, sometimes he's most effective. He's... He's not in there actually to score the goals. If you think about, you know, the the game he came on after half an hour as a substitute, to, you know, at home to Rovers, and um, yeah. you know, helped turn the game with his flicks or his physicality. You know, he was being used to bring others into the game. And so shortly after, yeah, yeah. So you know, which swings around about say, here we are. We talk about you know, let's put Sinclair down the middle to try and get some more goals, and then you know, otherwise. You look at an alternative. We'll, we'll put Stockley down the middle, but he's not necessarily going to score goals. He's going to bring others into play. So uh, no, it's. Uh, I suppose you can mix and match it round, can't you? There, there will be games where it might be worth, you know, putting Scott Sinclair up front. There might be games which just doesn't suit him, you know. But uh, you know, just someone of. I just think Sinclair, you know, now hopefully now he's settled in. He's got that little bit of X factor compared to you know to he could be North End sort of match winner. He's yeah. got that. He's that player who other clubs might look at and think, wow, he's a real danger man today. You know, like mm. he's come from Celtic and he, I think he scored 81 goals up there, didn't he? Now, whatever the last, you know, the debate of the Scottish League and the strength and whatnot, um, that's for another day. But he, he was at a big club, he was at a huge club and he, he, he scored goals on a regular basis. And you think back to when he was at Swansea in the Championship, he was a sort of 24, 25 goal a season man there, wasn't he? You know, so. Yeah. He knew his stuff, so uh, you know he's got to be worth a look at anyway. Yeah, we'll come on to the subs in a minute, and uh, and obviously the use of them, the timing of them, all that sort of stuff. But Alan Brown started the game at, at right back, and speaking to him after the game, he's not there to fill in; he's there to mm-hmm. influence the game, and he really does feel like right back is is a position to play in for him rather than like I say filling in he's not just there to make up the numbers he feels like he can go in that right back position and, and play as a right back yeah he, he did really well he was uh, for where I was sat at Luton first half he was right down in front of me you know he's the right back starting position was sort of you know you know, in front of me you know you could just see him driving up and down bar a couple of loose balls and just getting caught upfield once very early on after that he just settled into it really well took to it like a duck to the water um, and but you know however well he played I do think North End are better with him in the midfield you know like you think about it, he's a player who scored you know 12 goals last season a similar amount the season before not got quite as many this season but he, he's a goal threat in that sort of running 10 position up front isn't he so um, so however well he did it right back long term you know I do think he'll be better you know better suited to the midfield and the reason he didn't play the, the reason he played him there was Darnell Fisher wasn't quite fit enough he'd um, he, he, he missed about 12 days of training with a groin strain and uh, you know groin injury and I do notice Fisher's had a bit of a history of those I think he's had two hernia operations since he's come to Preston um, so maybe you know Starting, starting in pre-season is when he's quite vulnerable. You know, uh, I noticed. I think he missed part of pre-season last year with a hernia. You know, so maybe he's had a bit more. You know, sort of similar issue. You know, when you start working again. Um, so Fisher wasn't quite ready. Hadn't played any of the practice games. So he threw Brown in there. Quite surprised that Rafferty wasn't involved in some shape mm. or form. He he was at Luton. He was at the ground. Him, Paul Hunton and. Uh, Paul Huntington and Tom Bayliss were the sort of the three who travelled but didn't make the twenty-man match day squad, you know. So you know, with, with, with his versatility of being able to play at both full-back positions, a little bit surprised he wasn't on the bench, you know, or even considered for that, you know, starting slot. But you know, um, I suppose you know Fisher was fit enough to go on the bench. So do you really want two right backs in there? You know, he had his defender on the bench. First choice defender, isn't he? It, yeah, he is, yeah. Seven subs, Fisher would mm-hmm. if he's not quite fit, generally is that one defender on the bench. Yeah. On his day, Fisher is a very good player as well. You know, I know he's got, he got some days where he, he has a little bit of a stinker, but <laughs> generally he's a real very reliable right back. And it's how you want to play he's He's, he, you know, he's uh, he's not Cafu, is he? Down that right hand side, you know, he's a solid, he's a solid defender. He can get forward, you know, and I think when when he does, he 
you know, sometimes he can contribute, but he's more a sort of solid defender. And I think what they were looking for from Brown on Saturday was to sort of bomb up that pitch and sort of, mm. you know, add that extra width, weren't they? Yep. And the main thing is when uh, when Don Officer scores, we're on the pitch. And, Absolutely, uh, and yeah. that is something to live by. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'll have to do it virtually, Tom. I know. Uh, <laughs> we're running up and down the garden at this rate. Um, <laughs> talk about the subs then. Josh Harrop, probably the most notable one who who didn't get on. Mm-hmm. Um, a few fans questioning the timing of the subs and and things like that. What's your take on it? Yeah, you can look back. I don't think the Nugent, the Nugent sub for Maguire was the first one, 65 minutes. He was actually about to make that when North End scored. He called Nugent had gone for his warm-up and um, he called him back and Nugent was like taking his bib off, you know, and getting his shirt ready. And then Scott Sinclair went through and scored. So they sat him back down and like made that change, what, 10, 15 minutes later. Um, you, you could see the logic of putting Nugent on maybe hold the ball up a little bit better, take it in. But it, he, he looked a little bit rusty, to be fair, didn't he? I don't think he made the greatest impact. Mm. Um, he obviously wanted to get Fisher on at some point, you know, to get him some get him some time on the pitch. Uh, he put Potts on to do a bit of running in midfield now. You know, the released when Fisher and Brown came, uh, Fisher and Potts came on, it released Brown to come into the midfield and uh, instead of Gallagher. Gallagher was never going to last 90 minutes on the mm. first game back in that heat. So you could see there was going to be a change in midfield. Now, in hindsight, you were thinking, well, you know, could Ledson have played as an extra midfielder? You know, but he sort of wanted, I, th- I think they were looking to counter a bit more, didn't they? So he put Potts on. Um, and then, the last two subs were, well, it's just last row of the dice, you know, after the equalised, you know, the uh, you have to make a double substitution because you can only make, your, even though you've got your, your five subs you can make now, it's at three occasions during the game. So, you know, it had to be a double last row of the dice. You know, I will, you know, like you put them on, you can put one on and then another few minutes later, they had to come on together. And and really, Stockley and Bowling didn't have any time to influence the game. They came on just to start a stoppage time and, you know, they... It was, it was uh, sort of just fresh legs, really, for, for you know, for the, um, you know, just, just seeing through that time, just see if they could maybe for something. So when, when you look at the subs who weren't used, you're thinking, yeah, Harrop's the one, you know, could he have added something attacking? Ledson, more a holding midfielder. Jordan Story was there as central defensive cover. And then, you know, Conor Ripley is a sub-keeper. So probably the, the five he used, you'd probably say, yeah, Four of them I could understand, you know, if you if you fall into the, the Harrop fan club, yeah, you know, Harrop would have given a better attacking option. Fair, you know, I can understand that fair play. But probably four of the subs you probably agree with whether what order they came on in, that's another point for debate. Should should Stockley have been the striker who came on for Maguire to start off with, or would that have seen North End sort of go a little bit longer or having to play a little bit different? So uh no. You know, I, I, I've not no issue with the with, with the subs that were used. Really, maybe what order and how they were asked to do things. Um, you you know, you you put a question mark again. Although if North End had hung on and you know got the one 0 win, we wouldn't be having this debate, would we? Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Mm. I mean, we 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 spoke around on the podcast last week about the potential of of North End playing narrow, and I asked Alex Neil about it after the game, and he said that the way Luton set up is different to Barnsley, where Barnsley like to press and come out. And he, he knew Luton had sit in and let mm-hmm. North End have the ball, which is why he, he stuck with the 4-2-3-1. But with that in mind, does that suit Stockley? That they're going to be, if if you think about it, maybe 30 yards out, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Yeah. And that's a perfect sort of range for Stockley to, to flick a ball on for someone. Yeah, flick it on or, you know, take it in and then, you know, lay it off, you know, mm. sort of, you know, bring the mm. wizard, bring the from the field. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, maybe we've looted as well. They were looking at him, you know, yeah, the, you know, how they were going to play, you know, it was Nathan Jones's first game back, wasn't it? You know, maybe there was a little bit of thinking, maybe they might be a little, you know, try and do something a little bit differently, you know, but, um you know, sometimes you've just got to work your own strengths, don't you, rather than worry too much mm. about how the opposition are going to play, you know, so yeah. be and confident Alex in come you. come a cropper yeah. from that before, hasn't he? And he's, he's, yeah. he's owned up to it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, sometimes, you you know, 
a good win can be got from having studied the opposition so thoroughly. You know, you, you second guess them all the way through. It's almost like a game of chess winning it that way. But sometimes you got to, you know, you win it in another way by this is exactly what we're going to do. Nothing's going to stop us. Don't care how the opposition are going to play. This is how we're going to do it. But you've you've always got to have a little bit of a nod to how they thought, you know, the, the other team are, are going to do. But, you know, maybe not to the extent sometimes it is. Mm. And I think I saw a stat over the weekend that, that North End's percentage of, of long balls is mm-hmm. actually the uh, the highest in the division. And yeah, I noticed that, yeah. When yeah. you think about who starts up mm-hmm. front at the weekend and then you think mm-hmm. about how many long balls are played, yeah, it's mm-hmm. an interesting way to go about it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but then again, if you look across at the stats as well, they've also got a very high number of short passes compared to some of the other teams around them, you know, I think there's about you know, three hundred and twelve or something in the last few games. You know, it, you know, the things do balance. I think North End have passed; they do pass it a lot, you know, and like um, so. There's a good range of long balls, and when we talk about long balls, do do we also include diagonals as well? You know, a mm. good diagonal ball from Measured. you know, Galley will play. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, you know, I, I can't remember too many times absolutely humping it down the down the channels or anything you know Ben Davis likes to clip a ball forward doesn't he down that mm. side um, you know it's not like John Beck here at North End when they were aiming for the corner flags drop it into the sand near the corner flags or anything you know and there will be times when Gallagher or someone gets it sent to midfield quite deep and sprays it diagonally long to the wing you know now that's not a long ball in the sense that's more sort of you know getting your wingers involved so yeah you know the they clearly mix it up a little bit, don't they? So, um, you know, but as I said, I don't think they're, they're, they're lumping it up to the corner flag. It's what, what, what's perceived as a long ball now, you know. The, mm. You know, is it a, a long pass? Is it a slide rule pass that covers 30 yards of grass? I don't know. So Yeah. We'll look forward to the uh, the weekend now. And this, the, mm. this weekend's game, after, I mean, it was big before Luton. After Luton, it was bigger. And then mm-hmm. on Sunday night, it got even bigger because yeah. Cardiff beat Leeds 2-0. Um, mm-hmm. They're now one goal behind North End. And so mm-hmm. they're on level points. North End have a, a plus five goal difference, Cardiff plus four. Um, mm-hmm. Rovers and Swansea are now one point behind North End. You could go all the way down to 12th, which is Derby County, who are only three points mm-hmm. behind North End, who still sits yeah. sixth. Mm-hmm. I mean... This this Cardiff game, and, and I'm sure we've said it before, and I'm sure we'll say it again. Is this the biggest game of the season so far? That's the next one, isn't it? So it's always the biggest. So it's gonna it's gonna have an influence, isn't it? Because you know what you know if North End win, suddenly you've got a nice three point cushion against over Cardiff. Plus your goal difference improves slightly. Depending what happens at Blackburn, and you know you know whatever Blackburn and Swansea's results are. You know, you can't do any more but win, can you? So, you know, suddenly you could put a nice little cushion between yourselves and the chasing pack or suddenly all three could overtake you, you know. So, you know, if the result goes against them. So, it, 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 it's it's certainly, a you know, it's a huge game at the moment, you know, to, you know, North End could either suddenly, you know, still be in the top six or suddenly could drop down two or three places, you know. So, um yeah. You know, it was just nice and right for a 6 0 home win like it was in 2009. <laughs> so that, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? You know, but it just shows how tight it is now. I think QPR lost on the restart, didn't they? They're, they're, they're you know, they, they've stayed down on sort of 50 points. So yep. maybe you're looking now at Derby as a cut off, you would have thought. Um, but, but, you know, it's so tight there. People are going on about Millwall's running. Millwall lost again, didn't they? You know, on the running, mm-hmm. you know. So Bristol City lost it. They're a bit like North End, you know. The, the form wasn't very good before the lockdown. You know, they, they were beaten by Blackburn on on Saturday. So uh, yeah, so it, it, it's it's a fascinating. You know, you, you'd think Fulham are issuing for you know, you know, for the playoffs. So I would have thought with Brentford. Forest looking quite strong as well. It's that probably sixth place everyone's chasing. North End at the moment are in pole position for it. But, you know, they've got Cardiff, Blackburn, Swansea, Bristol City, Millwall, Derby could all get in there, you know. So um, probably quite, you know, all have got the strengths up there, all have got the weaknesses. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be, it's a real, real interesting battle. But, you know, when, when you're playing someone 
from that pack of clubs, you know, if two clubs playing each other, and especially when you've got one goal basically separating North End and Cardiff, it's massive. So if they could win, that would be a major thing. You know, I'm not saying it's a six-pointer or anything, but, you know, it gives you that nice big swing, doesn't it? So, uh, And how much, of, how much of a message could it send? You know, the next challengers, North End, what is it now? One win in five, something like that, uh-huh. if you go before the lockdown. And... Mm-hmm to beat seventh place and kind of hopefully assert dominance on that position because Rovers have got Wigan, Swansea have got Luton. You know, we might see Swansea beat Luton, which Preston couldn't mm. do, and jump mm. over North End. So, you know, there's a lot going on, but it, it could hopefully send a message. Like I say, if it's a 6-0, you know, it kind of says that, that they're not going to be any pushovers in yeah. relinquishing this, this sixth position. Mm. Yeah, I'll take any result, you know, any what any win, 1-0, 2-0, you know, like 2-1, whatever. Um, thought North End and, backside. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought <laughs> when North End played down at Cardiff before Christmas, that was another telly game, wasn't it? And yeah. North End were very good in that, just a bit waste, very wasteful on the chances, you know. But the on the day they were better. They did, you know, they were better side than Cardiff were, you know. But um, um, but you know, it, it was that cutting edge which was missing. So I hope it doesn't come down to similar this time, you know. But no, it could send out. You know, would be a very good feel good message, you know. Um, you know, a lot of frustration knocking around after Luton. You know, if you can come back, if you can win four points out of six from your first two home and away over the course of the season, you'd take that, wouldn't you? But um, this, is, this is now where you do need to be putting a, you know, a decent, you, you know, at this stage of the season, backing up three or four wins together would be huge. It would just carry you so far, I think. Mm. And, uh, just while I'm still on the uh, the page of the short passes and all that sort of stuff, Cardiff actually played the least amount of short passes per game, but don't they're they're about 13 behind North End on the long balls per game. So yeah. I think it kind of sums up what what Cardiff's style will be at, at detail. Mm. It'd be pretty direct and try and get mm. get uh, win the ball high up the pitch. I mean that's how they scored against Leeds. They just capitalised on a bit of uh, dodgy mm. passing out from the back, really. Yeah, you think of Cardiff, you know, the you know it was Neil Warnock until what, September, October. Warnock we took over at Middlesbrough, obviously, yeah, today. But um and then Neil Harris obviously came in. He'd been at Millwall, who were well before that, well known as a sort of solid four four two type side. Um, you know, big striker, little well, big striker, more mobile striker next to him, picking up the second balls and Probably that's what he's establishing at um, Cardiff. Nice, hard-working side. Um, you know, play to the strengths, organised well. So, yeah, it, it, you know, it will be, you know, if North End are going to beat Cardiff, they're going to have to work at it. You know, they're going to probably have a little bit of patience and uh, try and, you know, work the way around a well-organised Cardiff defence. Mm. And looking for the looking towards kind of the North End team for the weekend as of yet obviously it's uh, still early doors recording this on Tuesday but isn't looking like too many new injury concerns Tom Clark still struggling and Bayliss still a little bit off the pace it seems yeah no no yeah Clark's got an, an, an injury which is on and off so I wouldn't have him as sort of Suddenly, if he was fit, I, he wouldn't. I don't think he'd be coming back into play. You know, he's not going to jump above Fisher or whatever. Um, Bayless, he, uh, to, you know, he's played against. He played against one of Wigan in the friendly. He hadn't. He hadn't played since January. I think Norwich was his last cup game. Similar position to Bowden, you'd argue. So I think Bayless is one sort of friendly game further on than Bowden, but Bowden got in ahead of him on um, on Saturday. So. You're not suddenly going to see Bayless parachuting into the side, are you? You know, so I will think if any change, you might see Fisher back at right back to release Brown into the midfield if he if he thinks that's a better one. And then it's a case of whether he tweaks it around up front. You know what we've been talking about, whether you know he, he mixes that attack up. But injury wise, as of Tuesday, I don't think there are any knocks or anything serious from Saturday. It's just a case of how training will go during the week and what, what they decide on. So uh, I think you'll start seeing a lot more rotation after Saturday because we're hitting this sort of Saturday midweek pattern for four weeks in a row. You know, that's when you're going to have to change it. So um, this is a ridiculous thing. You know, I know a lot of managers wanted the different schedule. A lot of managers, including Alex Neal, including Bielsa at Leeds, I know that for a fact. They wanted to be playing today you know Tuesday or Wednesday of this week and then have the sort of 
three midweek, maybe in a couple of weeks' time, two or mm. three weeks' time, have a sort of bit of a sort of halfway breather almost. You know, they, they, they can't have a weekend off. They have to play every weekend. But, you know, the, the, the schedule allowed for one blank midweek. Now, to have that so early on, you know, and have a week's break between the first two games, you know, all from what I've heard on the argument of one club who wanted that, who who were against starting up so quickly. So there was almost a compromise. So we've got this thing where we play Saturday to Saturday and then wham, bam, wham, you know, it's sort of, yeah. you know, eight, eight games in 27 days or something, which seems silly, you know, being far better to have a break in that. But anyway, but it is how it is. And, that you know, that's when, you know, that's when you're going to be tweaking your lineup more, rotating people is when, you know, the, the playing every Saturday or Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever the case may be, you know, getting people fresh, especially if you play on a Wednesday and then you're playing again on the Saturday, you know, it's very little recovery and training time. That's probably when you, you're seeing three or four changes per game or whatever. Mm. And we'll, we'll touch on it, it briefly because we kind of have to, but there's not a lot we can talk about because, as we say, we're recording this on Tuesday, so we don't want to, to spend five, ten minutes talking about something and then it be completely dated by, by the end of the day or whatever. But um, do you want to just quickly touch on the contract situations of Tom Clark and Paul Gallagher? Yeah, they're the last two of the sort of, you know, the players who were out of contract this uh, this summer um, in normal circumstances, you know, like contracts reaching end on the 30th of June and you, 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 you're just finishing your summer holidays by now, getting ready to come back to pre-season training, obviously. The dynamics have changed with what's happened this season. But um, Declan, really think about it, Matt Hudson both signed new contracts, People like Michael Crow, Connor Simpson weren't offered a new contract and haven't returned to the club since they returned to training. So, but Clark, Tom Clark and Paul Gallagher have, they're still here. Um, now, for them to play beyond the end of June, they have to reach an agreement by, t- by Tuesday, by midnight on Tuesday, I think, to sort of register them, you know, to allow the contracts to run beyond the 30th June and make them eligible for the, the games during July and potentially in August when the playoff final is. You know, I'm not putting the cart before the horse there or anything, but you've got to cover all bases, don't you? Mm. Um, now, you know, today's the day where teams in the EFL, you've got to put your retain list into the EFL. Normally, that's a third, it's done on the third Saturday in May apart from clubs playing in the playoffs, and I think they get a few days extra grades, but with the season obviously stretching out, um, the now on, you know, today is the sort of day where it's all got to be agreed. So, um, what you know, that you've got two options. Well, you've got three options, really. I Nothing's agreed, and they don't play beyond the 30th of June. You get a short-term contract in place, which takes you through to August, and then you start thinking again. Or you get a longer-term contract sorted out, where yeah, sign up for another year or two, or whatever you know, whatever the terms are, and get on from it from there. So uh, it just be it would be you know, there's two the two big characters there in the dressing mm. room where you know, yeah. and you, you want it sorted out one way or another. You know, I know Tom Clark hasn't been a regular this season and not as much last season, but he is he's a club captain. He is a big figure in that dressing room. And so is Paul Gallagher. You know, he wears the armband if Clark's not there, basically. He's, you know, second in command, isn't he? And anyone who's met Paul Gallagher, you know what a good character he is to have around the place. Same with Tom Clark. You know, like, different type of characters, but both got a sense of humour, both bags of experience. Um, And, you know, it's not necessarily everything they do on the pitch, which is influential. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's in the dressing room. It's not around the training ground. It's setting standards. It's having a word with people if they're a bit late or something or looking a bit shoddy in their appearance, you know, like not training well. You know, you don't want the manager to have to be in that changing room sorting things like that out. You want the police, you know, self-policing, don't you, almost, yeah. you know, within the players. So... If they were to sort out anything with either, to lose two players like that would be massive. You know, um, you know, if, if if one was, you know, I suppose if you're looking at it, you might think Gallagher's got more longevity at the club looking ahead, you know, maybe a coaching role as well. You know, the fact he started on Saturday, you know, like uh, shows he's right up there in the plans, doesn't he? Mm. You know, and even even if it were caught, you know, it was more a shorter term thing to get through this season than we view it after that, you know. But 
if suddenly these two players were to disappear after, you know, I think if, if nothing was agreed by today, by Tuesday, you're looking at Saturday being the last time they're available. And then, you know, once the calendar goes into July, which is a week Wednesday when they play Derby, you know, we, you know, they wouldn't be available for that. So fingers crossed something can be sorted out one way or another. Yeah, because you've got Tom Clark, that that warrior type that, that the players do look up to in, in that sense. You've got the composure of Gallagher, who's just mm-hmm. doesn't seem phased by anything. And mm-hmm. and it's just a, a really nice balance that they bring as, as senior players yeah. In, in the dressing room, I mean, even if even if I know, we we know nothing on this, so it's just pure speculation. But even if uh, Tom Clark was to leave, he, he will be back for Wembley because Tom Barkayson did say that he'd bring him along as mascot, if nothing else, because that's how much the players the, that's how much the players admire him and respect him. They they want him mm. out there on the pitch with them as as mm. much as possible. And uh, yeah, you know, I think I think as well, it'd be a massive shame for these players to leave and not mm. get the send off they deserve because everything's exactly, going to be behind yeah. closed doors. It, yeah. it's going to be a big shame either way. Even if they extend the contract and it's the end of the season or whatever, it, mm. it's, it is going to be a shame. And that's one part that I suppose it has maybe gone under the radar a little bit. And it's a very niche sort of problem because not every club's, club's going to have players that have been there for, what, six, seven years that, that are leaving. Mm. But that will be a shame. It will be, yeah. So I just hope the, you know, I know... People are saying yeah, Tom Clark made seven appearances this season, but as I say, he can't, he can't stress enough a strong dressing room, you know, whether they're playing or not. That's key. You know, Paul Gallagher, he, he's, a, he's a, if he's fit, he more, he, more often than not, he starts. You know, he started on Saturday. If he wasn't in Alex Neal's plans and Neil was thinking, well, you know, I can manage without him, he wouldn't have played at Luton, would he? You know, but, um, you know, to suddenly lose a player, you know, for, yeah, you're in my team Saturday. You're in my team this Saturday, but then I'm going to lose you after that. You know, doesn't I don't I don't I don't think we'll send out the right message. Mm. And uh, we'll touch we'll touch briefly because I'm not to be honest I'm not quite sure what our uh, recording schedule will be whether we'll be back before the Derby game. But we'll touch briefly on the fact that it's going to be a massive part of North End history. Five thousand league game, the first club to do that, Tom. It's uh, fantastic. You know, it's, it's great to be part of. You can look at it in two ways, I suppose, Tom. It's absolutely, it's fantastic. It shows how long North End have been in existence. That they've, yeah. you know, the, the one of the they found the members of the football league, and you know, it was always going to be one of the founder members who were going to be, you know, hitting this milestone first. But what it also probably shows as well is. They've not been in, you know, they've, they've spent a lot of when the divisions used to be, used to be sort of 22, 20, you know, teams used to play, the top two div- teams used to play 22, you know, it was 22 teams in the top two divisions, 24 in the in the next two. And then obviously things have changed since the Premier League came into being. Who only play 20, you know, play, you know, 20 teams in. So they, they're on 38 games a season. North End have been playing 46 game seasons for a lot of a lot of the time, and that is why they're reaching, you know, the crossing the, you know, the finishing line first in this sort yeah. of five thousand race. So, the last thirty years. <laughs> yeah, so so you can you can look at it in in two ways. You know, the pride at the longevity of Preston North End as a football club, but also they've just been missing out on that top flight. You know, teams who who were founder members with North End have obviously had time in the Premier League when they've been playing you know, shorter seasons than what North End have been in the Football League and since it got renamed the EFL. So, uh, yeah, two ways to look at it. But I think, you know, it's one to be celebrated. Uh, the fact that, you know, North End have been in existence so long that, you know, they're still here, they're, you know, they're flying the flag. It's, it's a proud moment, you know. It's uh, it's just such a shame that it'll be in an empty stadium and the nearest the fans can get to it is watching on telly at home, you know. It's... Uh, it will have a, a hollow ring to it, if you know what I mean. And may, you know, maybe when crowds are backing, you could revisit it, but it wouldn't be the 5,000th game. You could have a bit of a celebration of it, but by that time, it could be 5,000 and, you know, 9th, 10th, 11th game. It doesn't, you know, when by the time you can have a, a celebration altogether, you know, and uh, you, you, you've missed the boat slightly. And it's in no fault of the all that, you know, I think it's their worst you know, worst case scenario that this has happened, but but what can you do to the producing a you know a special commemorative program for it, which is available to buy? Um, and that that that'd be a nice one to uh, you know collector's item order for. 
and have the honour of doing it against Wayne Rooney's Derby County, no less. Yes, yes. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I've, or, you know, that privilege to have Mr. Rooney there, you know, <laughs> that uh, just seems to, you know, attract the attention, doesn't it? You know, but uh, um, no, I hope, hope the focus isn't on, isn't on yeah. him this time. You yeah. know, I hope uh, Northam can, you know, like, uh, you know, make the occasion their own, you know, so people aren't talking about Wayne Rooney's derby, talking about Preston yeah. North 5,000th game and how they won it. That'd be very fitting. You know, you, yeah. you look back through history, there's probably not as much, you know, I've I've gone back through our archives and you look at 3,000, 2,000 game, 3,000, 4,000, and it was, you know, not a lot was made of it. I think the 4,000 was at Bristol Rovers in 1998 and, I think the Bristol Rovers chairman presented a, a you know little trophy to Derek Shaw, who was North End vice chairman at the time, I think, and that was about it. And it was a sort of, yeah, it was a bit of an afterthought, really. But probably North End weren't the first to get to four thousand. So, but you know, now we are the first club to get to five thousand. It's special. And it's a massive landmark, you know. So I think it deserves that sort of recognition, doesn't it? Yep, and uh, I think it's just worth mentioning as well, just on a, on a bit of a, a, a sad note, the the passing away of Leo Gornall, a, a former North Ender. Yeah, he was um, part of the Tom Finney era. He actually is a big member of the North End Former Players Association, mm. which is one of the best former players groups uh, in the country. And we're not being biased here, but the way it's run the way it attracts people, the fact it has its annual dinner, its golf day, its bowls day and everything. I don't think many former players associations are as sort of proactive as that. And, and you know, Leo was, um, he was, he was on the committee of that for many years. He might even have chaired it at one point, but you know, really important. He actually didn't play in the first team for North End, but he was, uh, he was a regular in the reserves. He'd come up from the, you know, when he, I think he was a, signed as a ground staff player as he used to call it in those days when he was 16 what he's now a trainee and and that's the that's the beauty of North End's former players association it doesn't mm. matter if you made one appearance for the reserves or 300 appearances in the first team you, you, you were entitled to join it you know and mm. uh no Leo was a character and he was he was part of that um group of players including Sir Tom Finney and Tommy Thompson great players of that ilk they used to have their own allotment on Blackpool Road, you know, yeah. the allotments at the corner of Blackpool Road and, and Garstang Road down there, you know, not too far from the ground. And um, they all used to do a bit of gardening on a Friday morning, grow the vegetables, tend to the place, and then they used to have a bacon butty afterwards in the Tommy Thompson suite, which was a garden put there. Um, have a bacon butty, have a yarn about the old days, you know, like a bit of a catch-up. And it was a really good social thing for them as well. And, you know... Sir Tom Finney used to go down and help him regularly before ill health. And I know that when David Moyes was manager, I know he used to pay him a visit, you know, go down and have a cup of tea with him in an attic, you know. And uh, it's little things like that. Key part of your history, aren't they? You know, it's a mm. sideshow. You, you can't imagine a group of ex-Man United players, can you, having a sort of an allotment somewhere near the ground, you know. <laughs> and anyone, even from this era now, you know, you're not oh, going to yeah. get, in, in future years' time, Scott Sinclair, Tom Barkays, and then like Tom Clark aren't going to meet up for a bacon butty and a lot of garden shed, are like, they? You know, like Connor Simpson, who didn't quite make it at the team. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, know you, you won't get that anymore. But it's from a bygone era, and I think it's an absolutely lovely part of like, you know, just a, a, another little snapshot in this great club history, you know. And uh, but you know, I know Leo was taken ill earlier in the year. I think he mm. suffered a, a very serious stroke, and um, you know, sadly passed away his family yeah. you know I know um, he lives locally his family are local you know it'd be a really tough time for them at the moment so uh, yeah condolences to them and he's, he's another player to remember he's another member of the gentry isn't he you know when, yeah. when we come to when we come to the next gentry day he's another name we can remember um, the gentry day flag as we know will be you know on display at Deepdale for the remaining games, you know, put together by PNE online. That was a nice touch. Brilliant, so, yeah. you know, there's got to be lots of people's ex players and ex fans, you know, former players and uh, fans who have passed away. Their names going to be on the Gentry flag, obviously. You know, it's too. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it, it is a sad time and it's been. I don't know. This whole the whole year has been a sad year so far, hasn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of people in. Uh, you know in a lot of families in a similar position. So, um, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, hope 
you know, hope, hope Leo's family can remember the good times with him rather than this sort of mm. struggle with ill health in these last few months, you know. But he, he's certainly a character and, uh, you know, part of the North End fabric. Yeah, and as you say, he's now part of the gentry and I think that's what can make this club so special at times, the, the gentry and the way people come together for for mm. for that sort of uh, brotherhood, not to exclude women, mm. but that sort of that sort of brotherhood feel where... You know, once you're a North Ender, you're always a North Ender. You're part of you're a part of yeah. something bigger. Never leaves you, does it? You know, yeah. like you know, even even when you know you take your last breath and move on to wherever's next. You know, the phrase is, "What is it, North End fans? You, you know, you don't pass away. You sort of just move to a different seat, don't you, and have a different view of the pitch. You know, that, that that's how they describe it. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, we're. I think. What, what one thing you know is if 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 North End ever did move up to the Premier League and you know different priorities and things like that, you know, hopefully that sort of family feel and togetherness is never forgotten. You know, so mm. it's a big part of the club. Yeah, it's not the uh, the most positive way to to end the the podcast, but we are getting. No, it's a, it's a so. yeah, it's um you know it's it's a. It's not, you know, it's, I think it's just togetherness. I think there's a good togetherness impression among the fans, you know, like we, we might all moan and, you know, complain when results don't go our way as any club do. But, you know, I do, I do think, you know, Gentry Day, the way it's done and everything, it does show that, you know, once you get the, you know, once you get the away from the sort of the last bit of the year, previous results and everything, we go back to being sort of this big, together group you know and a group of fans and as a club so you know it should be seen as a positive yep and then hopefully the uh, the positive of getting the win on on Saturday and pushing up mm-hmm. towards finishing in those playoff places and, and maintaining that playoff spot yeah that'd be fantastic yeah you know if it's a big game half 12 kickoff isn't it as yeah. it's an early one so uh, you know if they could win it it gives them that little you know even you know even if it's only a couple of hours advantage, you know, it'd be, be nice to sort of, you know, get your business done and then look what everyone else is doing after that. Mm. Yeah, because not everyone's uh, keen on taking advantage, we found this season. Absolutely. Well, the <laughs> fact that North, you know, you know, after, you know, one winning, whatever it is, you know, North End are still in sixth place. Yeah. And as much as Alan Brown doesn't think North End deserve to be there, until someone mm-hmm. takes that space, they do. For me, I mean, yeah. if, if no one's going to take advantage, at least North End have put themselves there in the first place. They've done more than anyone else, and that's why they're there. Yeah, they just want it. You know, if someone's going to take your place, make it blooming hard for them. You know, yeah. like you battle it all the way. But they are in pole position. If they keep, if if they can get on a run of wins, they are in that sixth place. You know, you you can go on. You know, there's there's pros and cons, isn't there? Do you want to be the do you do you want to do be the chaser? You want to do the chase, and you want to be the one that's chased. You know, like mm. managers use it psychology, use that psychology, and they twist it to how they want. Or oh, if you're in that chasing pack, you suddenly, well, oh yeah, it's great to be the chaser. If you're in sixth place, your managers say, no, no, it's best to be, it's best to be there to be shot at. You know, so yeah. you know, <laughs> swings around like North End were to drop out of the top six. Fair enough, you change psychology. Well, we wanted to chase anyway. You know, there's less pressure uh, this way. Yeah, we're not, we're not really bothered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. But if, uh, we'll if see. We'll see. Eight, yeah, eight games yet. Twenty-four points to play with a hell of a lot. You know, a lot, lot could happen. A lot could happen. Yep. Well, uh, I think that's about it for this week. Is there anything else you would like to add, Dave? Or we? Uh, we no, just um, no. I just hope um, you know, in these strange times at the moment, you know, we're not together in the grounds. And I'll repeat what I've said before. Hopefully, this is only temporary. But mm. until then. You know, it's, it's just the best case of getting through this, and uh, you know, let's like, like show our support in different ways. You know, like when North End play the home games, have the big banners all around the ground, which will hopefully, you know, inspire the players, and um, you know, we, we can get through this and, and and see see where it takes us. You know, so uh, but yeah, very strange times, but you know, one day uh, we keep <laughs> I'm going. Sure, that, yeah, we will. Yeah, we'll get there. You know, and. Uh, you know, thanks for everyone who sort of interacted with us on yeah. Twitter and on Facebook, social media over the weekend. You know, had you say whatever we thought of the match, you know, it wasn't the greatest, but, you know, 
if you share opinions, have a chat about it and, and, and let's keep that interaction going. Yeah, keep getting in touch for things like the blog and I put a picture up of my setup, which obviously was not very inspiring. It's pretty much a laptop, uh, another laptop and an iPad. It gets some good pictures of people's front rooms and all the, the North End stuff that they've got out there watching the game and just keep getting in touch and we'll make it this sort of an, an interactive space where, where North End fans can kind of come together a little bit in the way we cover it and, and make it a bit more like we're watching things together like when we're back at a ground and things like that I just I suppose just keep things fun really it's not all it's not all about having the most hard-hitting news all the time we can have a bit of fun and keep opinions in there you know and, and things like that so make sure to get in touch my twitter is at tom sandals dave's is at seds underscore lep and we've got at lep underscore football as well to uh to get in touch we'll have the blog running again at the weekend and uh all the coverage again. If there's any, any any type of coverage that anyone wants us to uh, to do, feel free to get in touch. We're open to any sort of feedback, whether it's the podcast, whether it's our coverage, whether it's what you want us to talk about or or look into or anything like that. Any questions you could potentially want put in towards Alex Neal or a player, feel free to get in touch, and we'll uh, we like a bit of interaction, don't we, Dave? Yeah, but what, one thing when if I follow does go down. I got so many requests. Dave, could you stream the match from Luton on Saturday? I'm not allowed to do that. I would have my backside kicked out of the ground if I did. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, I wasn't allowed to do that. But, you know, (laughs) hopefully this time my server will have sorted out their uh, servers. And I follow will have sorted out their servers because there's a big server outage, apparently, which caused the... uh, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes to be blacked out on Saturday. So hopefully back to, uh, you know, next two games are on Sky anyway as well. Mm. So if you're, if you're fortunate enough to have Sky as well, that's an alternative, isn't it? So as well as the yeah. iFollow. So. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, that's it for this week. I'll repeat, repeat our handles again. Make sure to get in touch at Tom Sandals, at Seds underscore LEP and at LEP underscore football. There'll be PNE coverage every day, multiple stories every day for North End all the way through the week. So make sure to check on the, uh, the LEP website. But other than that, all that's left to say really is uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you.